Hey, Foursquare family, Chad Eisenhart here with Foursquare Disaster Relief. What a year this has been. While many of us have been affected by COVID-19, the international impact has been even more significant. Our global pastors are struggling to put food on their tables and their communities are going hungry right now. To meet the scale of this crisis, our entire Foursquare family is uniting this Christmas to feed those in need. Their Christmas miracle looks a lot like you and me. Will you help us reach out beyond the walls of our churches to share the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need it the most? This is how we change the world together. Go to adoptapastor.org to learn more and to donate. Your gifts of $50 will feed a family for an entire month. Or your church or your small group may decide to sponsor a, a church or a community for a gift of $1,000 or more. Let's share Christ's love today. Foursquare family, I get so inspired imagining the impact of your generosity. Your gifts will sustain and strengthen our brothers and sisters all around the world, in the Middle East, in, in Asia, in Caribbean, in Africa, and Latin America. Our love declares God to those who may not know Him yet. Go to adoptapastor.org to learn more about the impact you can make by providing a Christmas miracle to those in need today. God bless you. I love watching that video. It's so good to uh, see that there's a world out there that's dealing with some of the same stuff we're dealing with at this season uh, in our nation's history. And, you know, many of them are facing a lot more difficult challenges than we're facing here. And uh, many of you know, a couple weeks ago when we started our Christmas conspiracy outreach as a church this holiday season, I talked about uh, the Adopt-A-Pastor program that is part of our Foursquare Church's dis dis Disaster Relief, if I can get that out, Disaster Relief uh, program. And uh, I'd love to uh, help out a pastor in a village this year. We've talked about that just a little bit. So I'm going to show you a picture of a pastor named Joseph. And uh, this brother pastors a small church in Uganda. Uh, he lost his job and his home. As a result of the COVID virus uh, there in Uganda, he was a teacher, so he's a bivocational pastor. Past, his little church is uh, too small to support him with a living wage, so he uh, works in the community as a teacher as well. And he and his wife and his eight children um, faced some pretty uh, desperate times uh, for, for a few weeks before Foursquare stepped in with some uh, food and help through their d disaster relief program. They delivered monthly food kits to, to Joseph and his family while Joseph tried to figure out what he was going to do for a living because, of course, uh, he had lost his job and he didn't know how long it was going to take before he could go back to work. So uh, uh, Joseph finally decided to uh, start making bricks with mud and clay uh, and straw and uh, he started making them in, the, in the, uh, the church or around the church building. And the first thing he did was build a home, a little two-room home for his family to, to live in while disaster relief was helping them. And then he started a biz business selling uh, these bricks made out of mud and straw uh, to, to others within his village and began to uh, create a little bit of a 
cash flow, I guess you'd say, an income for him and his family to survive during this time with COVID. That's the kind of pastor that I want to help this year uh, with your Christmas conspiracy outreach offering. So I want to invite us uh, to think about that this year as we're going through all the busyness of the holidays. As a church, we're trying to spend a little less on things that people don't really need. <laughs> I don't know how many times you've been asked, what do you want for Christmas? I don't want anything. I don't need anything. And I think most of us here in America could say amen to that. My grandkids need absolutely nothing. My kids need absolutely nothing, but there are a lot of needs in the world. So we're trying to spend a little less on things that don't really matter. We're trying to give a little more to, to real needs. Uh, we mentioned Guatemala and the terrible devastation they experienced through the hurricane a couple of weeks ago. Last week we talked about a Pregnancy Hope Center here locally where we're reaching out and sharing the gospel with young women and boyfriends or husbands who come in with them and receive ministry and care through Pregnancy Hope Center. We want to spend a little less, give a little more, worship fully, and love all during this holiday season. God so loved the world, and I love... Uh, thinking about the world uh, during this season. So you can give through PushPay. There's a place on there where you can designate your gift to Christmas Conspiracy. You can mark it on a check through your bill pay on your computer. You can stop by the church office here and give your offering here. But we just want to join together during this season uh, and help others in the world. So I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me here before we jump into the word together. And Jesus, uh, I want to thank you for your love and your heart for the world. Lord, just watching uh, that video and uh, just seeing this picture of Joseph. Lord, he's my brother. And uh, Lord, he's got the same call on his life uh, to pastor in his small community. And Lord, we just want to reach out our hands and hearts toward him and other pastors like him in Muslim countries, Lord, in the Middle East, Lord, down in, uh, Lord, different uh, areas in Africa, uh, in South America, around the world, Papua New Guinea, Lord, your church is at work. And our Foursquare family, Lord, is going through the stresses and the crisis of this season around the world. So, Lord, help us be a blessing. We thank you for that. We stretch out our hands and hearts. We even open our wallets. And we thank you for the privilege of giving in a way that will help others through this season. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And I would love you to say amen with me. And I love that. I love giving. I don't know. I know many of us do. Uh, every time I do a, a spiritual gifts class or test and people test about their spiritual gifts, it's amazing to me how often giving is one of the gifts that people t uh, tend to score highly in. It is a joy uh, t to give. And I, I, I certainly love giving. In fact, they have to kind of hold on to my hands around here. I'd give all the money away, but... Hey, we're in, uh, we're in Psalms 100 this morning, uh, Psalms 100, verse 4. So I want to invite you to turn there if you have a Bible. We're going to look at uh, a few different scriptures this morning. I want to talk about practicing thanksgiving uh, in 2020. I, I think all of us know this last year has been a crazy year. Uh, we've had the global infirmity of uh, COVID-19. We've had the resulting insecurity of uh, the economy. Uh, more than a million businesses across our nation have had to close. And here locally, I know 
we've had some closure of business. Our heart goes out to restaurants and people are just trying to keep their doors open here locally. We've had tens of millions of people out of work here in the United States. I think one point last March, there was like 20 million people, more than 20 million out of work. Uh, I think it's down to about 7 million now, but the statistic is, is still pretty high. We, we have uh, social instability, and, and we've watched that uh, in cities, uh, major cities especially, across our nation this year. We have racial inequality uh, that's been on the news all summer long. Uh, we've got political incivility, uh, the bashing of one another in the media has been an amazing. This has been an, a, an election year that will certainly go down in history. We've, we've had a once-in-a-lifetime fire season. I mean, that's just a, a month or so ago, and yet it seems like I've almost forgot about it, but areas here in Oregon were devastated. California, devastated. Uh, Washington and Colorado. It was a once-in-a-year-in-a-lifetime uh, fire season this year. We had 29 deadly hurricanes this year that swept through uh, the, the, the Gulf down in uh, the south of the United States, in the Caribbean, uh, in Guatemala, and uh, in Honduras. Uh, devastating. The southern uh, United States, there were several cities that had more than one hurricane go through their city. It, they were absolutely destroyed, and then another hurricane came. It, it's been an amazing year, and uh, well, to be honest, a lot of people aren't feeling very thankful this year. It's just been a tough year to, to be thankful. If you're a parent at home trying to homeschool your kids, once again, uh, here as we have closed things down in our state, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to, to feel thankful. Uh, if you're a teacher, uh, man, I, my heart goes out to you. You've been working two or three jobs. You've been trying to teach online. You've been trying to teach in class. You've been trying to do homeschooling with your, your own children. This has been challenging. And if you're a medical worker, uh, now that we've had this uptick recently of COVID cases here in Klamath County, I, th I think most of us probably know that uh, the, the one uh, COVID unit that they had made available at the hospital is now full and they've opened up a, a second unit. Uh, the surge that we thought might happen last uh, March or April is, is now beginning to happen here in Klamath Falls, and our hearts, our hearts go out to you. It's just been a tough year. I think many of us this morning, maybe here in the sanctuary or watching online, you're feeling stressed out, maybe wrung out, tapped out, <laughs> shut out. Uh, I don't know about you, but we had a pretty small Thanksgiving gathering uh, with my family, with my dad over in the Medford area. We kept it pretty small. We're feeling shut out, <laughs> down and out. I, I don't know, but this has been an amazing year. And, and I just, all week long, I wanted to impress you with something deep and meaningful, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about Thanksgiving. Just, just the simplicity of giving thanks and, and being thankful, developing thankfulness in our heart. You've heard me talk before about how important Thanksgiving is, how recently in the last probably decade there have been a lot of there's been a lot of research done on how important gratitude and thanksgiving are by the science community as well as the medical community, how uh, gratitude and thanksgiving are so important to our overall health, how uh, 
Gratitude and thanksgiving relieve stress, which is very important to your, your physical health. Gratitude and thanksgiving increases happiness. You know, the happiest people sometimes have the least, but are the most thankful. Happiest people in the world are people who are the most thankful. Uh, gratitude and thanksgiving gives us a sense of peace. Uh, gratitude and thanksgiving actually increases your immunity system. So maybe rather than a vaccine, we just need to be thankful. <laughs> uh, maybe rather than depending on uh, some kind of miraculous drug that, uh, uh, I don't know about you, I'm probably not going to be the first person to run out and want to try the vaccine. It, it's not that I'm totally afraid, but some afraid. <laughs> there are side effects to all those kind of things. I just want to be thankful. I just want to be grateful for all that God has done in my life. And of course, gratitude and thanksgiving, absolutely essential for our spiritual life. So uh, let me start with uh, Psalms 100, verse 4. I hope you have this memorized uh, in, your, in your life. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I really believe thanksgiving opens the door to intimacy with God. That we, when we come to God, when we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, there's something about being thankful and giving thanks that opens the door to intimacy, to relationship, and many times to an awareness of his presence. I think there are a lot of us who sometimes we feel like God is silent we feel like God is distant, that he's maybe not speaking t to me. And I, I, read a, I read a little devotional this last week. and uh, This pastor uh, was having an argument with his wife. And I realize that probably never happens with any of you, but he was having an argument. And he was losing, okay? So he started grasping for that emotional tug where he could maybe, you know, tug her emotions and at least save face in this argument. And the way he does that oftentimes, he said, was he would say, you never listen to me. And that would, you know, pull on the e emotional uh, strings and, and get sympathy enough to where he could at least save face in an argument where he knew he was totally wrong. So uh, he, he tried that when he reached for it. He said, you never listen to me. And she looked at him and said, I never listen to you. I listen to you every Sunday, several times. She said, I, I, I listen to you throughout the week. Talk about things you're going through with the church and in the office. I travel around the world. This is a pretty well-known speaker. I travel around the world and listen to you speak. People walk up to me and tell me things you've said. She said, I listen to you all the time. You know that God listens to you all the time? He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your words before you say them. The Bible says that God's thoughts toward you are more than the grains of sands on the seashore. God's not silent, and he's not distant. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's far more close. Maybe, maybe it's not that he's not speaking. Maybe it's that maybe you're not learning how to listen. 
And one of the ways to learn to listen is to be thankful. Just take a look at all that God does in your life, all that he does throughout your day, all that he's done throughout your life. Just spending time in his presence, being thankful. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can spend a half hour in my devotion time with God just giving thanks to him. I don't have to go any farther than that. Because when I start opening my heart to give thanks to God, it opens a doorway of intimacy. And it helps me recognize all that God is doing, all that he's saying, and, and all that he does throughout the history of my life and, and in my daily life as well. Thanksgiving opens the door to relationship and fellowship and intimacy with God. Flip over to Psalms chapter uh, 100 verse, uh, and, and 7. About three pages maybe from where you are right now psalms 107 verse 21 through 22 it says uh let them praise the lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts verse 22 i think it's interesting that it refers to thanksgiving as a sacrifice because it really is sacrifice, sacrificial when we lay aside our own needs or lay aside maybe our own concerns or our own wants and just give a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to God. Thanksgiving is, a, is an act of surrender of yourself. It's actually when Jesus said, unless a man denies himself, takes up his cross and follows me, it's a little act of denying yourself and emptying yourself before God. The Bible says it literally is a pleasing sacrifice to God when we just take time and offer uh, thanks and praise to him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 is a verse I, I hope you've memorized it well, as well. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know about you, that's a hard one. That's a really, in fact, if we're not careful, that could be cruel. Uh, almost a masochistic. Uh, how do you give thanks when the doctor says it's cancer? How do you give thanks when you've just lost someone you love? How, how do you give thanks when you've just lost your job? or your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, or someone you've been married to for seven years walks out the door. To understand this verse, you've got to look at it a little closer. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say for all circumstances. You know, God doesn't expect you to be grateful for all that's wrong in this world. But there's something about being thankful in the midst of them. Being thankful in everything. If we were thankful for everything, that would be cruel. And of course, almost masochistic. But if you learn to be thankful in everything, that's maturity. That means you're learning how to look beneath the surface. See beyond your circumstances. You're learning how to be thankful because of who God is, because of what he does, the fact that he is good, that he's always caring, he's always listening, he's always kind. 
in spite of the brokenness of this world we live in. How many believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I love that verse. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you want to know God's heart, just open up the Gospels. See Jesus and his compassion uh, for, for people's lives in the Gospel. God is at work today. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, I can be thankful, even in the midst of some of the most horrific tragedies that happen in this life. I don't know how many of you know uh, Rick and Kay Warren. Uh, they're pastors of a mega church uh, down in uh, the Southern California area. It's a church called Saddleback. And a few years ago, uh, their youngest son committed suicide. It's devastating. Uh, it was out of the blue. Uh, it wasn't anything they expected. Sometimes, unfortunately, people make a permanent decision on a temporary mood. And, and if you're watching this morning, if you know of a loved one who's contemplated suicide, I talked with a, a woman here at our church just two weeks ago uh, when we were able to have services. She was visiting from out of town, but she came up after the service just to talk about the emotional pressure she was facing and feeling, the desire to commit suicide. And of course, there's professional help for that. There's a, there's a hotline uh, nationally for suicide. But suicide is becoming a very real thing in our culture. You know, in Japan, last month, there were more suicides in one month than all the people that have died of COVID since it began in March. Pe people are feeling despair around the world. People are feeling a sense of helplessness around the world. And it's a concern. The social isolation might be helping with the spread of the virus, but it's devastating to our other emotional and psychological needs in this world. I don't have the answers. God didn't give me that job. It's above my pay grade, okay? I'm not having to make those decisions, but I do know that this is having an effect on a lot of people. And if you've had thoughts of suicide and you're watching this morning, I want you to know you're not alone. Rick and Kay's uh, son uh, committed suicide. And of course, they were devastated. Out of that experience, uh, a few years later, Kay, Kay wrote a book. Uh, the title of the book is Choose Joy. Uh, happiness is not enough is the subtitle because we live in a world that's looking for superficial happiness and it's amazing how fleeting happiness is and, and, and we're thinking the one thing that will make us happy is the thing we're pursuing and then it blows up on us and we've lost everything I want to tell you happiness is not the goal there is a joy the Bible says a joy unspeakable and full of glory so Kay wrote a book Choose Joy in response to, to, to what had happened. It wasn't superficial happiness, but it was a deep, deep joy knowing that there's a hope uh, beyond this life. And on the cover of the book is a picture of a, a railroad track. Do you see that? And uh, basically a train needs two tracks to run on. <laughs> they have to have both tracks to move forward. And it's a great picture of our lives. Our lives run on two tracks. 
the good and the bad. And they're always there. <laughs> and they're both needed. See, there will never be a time in your life where everything will be good and nothing will be bad. Thankfully, there'll be times when there's more good than bad, but there'll be never a time when everything is good and nothing's bad. There will never be a time in your life where everything is bad and nothing's good. Because even in difficult circumstances, you'll always see the good hand of God loving and caring and reaching out to meet one of your practical needs. In the midst of the worst times, God's goodness will, will always be there. Now, I don't know about you. This year has been hard for me. I, I have watched a little of what's gone on socially in larger cities. I paid a little attention to, uh, of course, the political process and the election season. Certainly have been affected by the virus. Here as a church, I literally thrive <laughs> on coming in here and being with 300 people a service. I thrive on new people walking in the door and people making decisions for Jesus Christ. I don't get higher than that. That is my drug of choice. <laughs> Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I just lo I love the body of Christ. I, I really, really do. It's, it's, it, it's been... It's been hard for me. I, I, I kind of feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And maybe you've felt that way a little bit too. I'm not trying to be cynical, but there are a lot of hellish things happening in the world today. And I want to tell you this. It's not going to get better. Okay. This is what Jesus said. In the end, you will see these things. In the end, these things will happen. Again, I'm not being cynical. I'm not trying to prophesy doom. That's not my goal. But Jesus said, in the end, this is what would take place. Because we're trying to hold a world, a culture, a people together without the only person who can hold it together, and his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, we're trying to hold on to principles of Christianity that we like without the person of Christianity whose name is Jesus Christ. And human will and human strength will not hold the world together. It will not hold society together. So in, in reality, and I, I know it sounds maybe forceful, but we are kind of going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, we, it, it's not going to get better. I mean, I wish 2021 would be better than 2020, and it might be temporarily. I, I don't know. But it might be the calm before the storm. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But I can be thankful, and I can give thanks in the midst of all the circumstances that you and I are going to face in the seasons of head. And here's why I can be thankful. Number one, I can be thankful because of God's grace, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, May God give you more and more grace. Could anyone say amen to that? May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. You know, everything we have in this life is because of God's grace. Everything. The fact that we have air to breathe. Did you create the air? <laughs> I mean, everything we have is because of God's grace. If God removed gravity, we'd fly off the earth. I mean, everything we have, we don't deserve. And of course, grace is uh, undeserved love, but it's more than that. It's the ability and the empowerment to know God 
and to grow in God and to walk with him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need grace. One of the reasons why I can be thankful regardless of the circumstances I go through is because of God's grace. It's because of grace that we're saved. Ephesians 2, 8, it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Knowing Jesus Christ, it's because God aggressed towards you. He gave you grace and he called you to himself. It's because of grace. Everything I has comes from grace. And because of that, regardless of what happens, I can take those moments and I, I do this often. I'll just... I'll sit in the chair in my living room and I'll just be thankful for God's grace. I'll just bask in his grace. I'll just allow his grace to wash me and overflow me. His grace is sufficient, the Bible says. Even in the midst of mistakes I make or sins I commit or sins that are committed against me. Remember, we live in a fallen world and not all the things we happen, are, happen in our life are our fault. Sometimes people make choices that affect us deeply. But here's what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul went on to say, therefore, I'll more gladly boast about my weakness, that the power of Christ might be manifest in me. You know, when you begin to understand that we live in a broken world, fallen world, and I'm a fallen person, I'm going to deal with my sin nature, I'm going to feel the effects of other people's bad decisions and their sins throughout the history of my life. But I believe his grace is sufficient. And in spite of all that, his power will be made perfect in, in my weakness. Here's a second reason why I'm thankful. I'm thankful for God's good plan for my life. And I hope you have this verse memorized. We talk about it all the time here in our church, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. But I'm going to read uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through verse 13. Because this is, this is the context where this uh, verse, this promise from God uh, falls about his good plan for our life says in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you will look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, we've all been touched by the fallenness of this world, but God's good plan for your life, it, it's good. It's not for disaster. He wants to give you a future and a hope, but he's not interested in following your plan. He's interested in you finding his plan. <laughs> and it's his plan that could be fulfilled in your life. When you seek him with all of your heart, and one of the problems, unfortunately, for a lot of people is there's just a, a half-hearted faith and a, a half-hearted commitment to Jesus. And it's just like, I want, I want Jesus to fix my problems and bandage my wounds, but I just don't want to follow him wholeheartedly. And I want you to know that plan is probably not going to work very well. You're going to probably continue creating more problems and more problems and more problems and maybe becoming more resentful and more angry because it's not working out the way you thought God would bless what you want to do. And, and, and to be honest, God's not interested in blessing what you want to do. He's interested in blessing what he wants to do for his kingdom, his glory, and his honor. And if you want to experience that hope 
and that future, then you've got to turn to Jesus. And you've got to give your whole heart and your whole life to him. This morning, I was up pretty early. And, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was worshiping in the living room. I, a lot of times on Sunday, I want a half hour, an hour to just be with Jesus before I start thinking about this thing I'm going to try to say. Just being wholehearted. Just allowing the Holy Spirit to search my heart and my mind and be wholehearted in my love for Jesus. See, if you're wholehearted in your love for Jesus, you may not know what to do, but he will nudge you and he'll help you. He'll bring people into your life and he'll get you to his plan and his purpose for your life. Trust him. He's got a good plan. He's got a good purpose. He's got a future and a hope if you'll simply seek him with all of your heart. Now, some of us struggle a little bit with anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. It's part of my life. I, I, have, to, I have to learn to deal with it, okay? It's not debilitating for me, thankfully. Uh, but here's what I've learned. I've learned that life is stressful. I don't care who you are. It's stressful. You know, we have this fantasy that when we get through this stage, the next stage will be better and less stressful. And I just want you to know that's a lie. It's a fantasy. It's not true. It's not going to happen. Think about your life. When you were in high school, maybe some of you who are watching are junior high or in high school, and you're thinking, man, life's going to be awesome as soon as I get out of this house and I have freedom to make my decisions. It's going to be totally awesome. I'm going to rock the world. You think you have stress now. You just wait. Okay, you go on to college, and you're going to have stress. You're going to be working a job, try to pay for college. You're going to have tests. You're going to have midterms. You're going to have finals. You're going to have all that stuff. And you're thinking, man, when I get out of college, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. We're going to have kids. It's going to be awesome. So, you know, you get out of college, you go through all that stress, and then you have the stress of finding Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. And, and uh, then you get married, and it's great, and it's wonderful for about two weeks. And then you, then you realize that maybe, it's, that maybe this isn't the answer. Maybe having kids is the answer. So then you have kids. Talk about more stress. Well, when they graduate, it's going to be less stressful. But then you're, you know, then you got grandkids and you're worrying about saving enough for retirement. And then you finally retire. Now you got to worry about your physical health. Okay, here's my point. Life is stressful. It's just stressful, okay? It's not going to get better. You've got to learn how to live in the stress and thankfulness, dealing with your anxiety. Th this won't be the answer for everything, but it'll help. See, there are really three different forms of anxiety, and all of you who are listening online or here in the sanctuary, you probably are dealing with one of these forms of anxiety. First of all, there's a chemical anxiety. Uh, chemical an anxiety means that the neurons... Uh, that are firing in your brain are out of balance. I, I don't know why. You don't know why. Sometimes doctors don't know why. That's why they practice. Unfortunately, they're practicing on you, but there's something wrong hormonally or chemically. It creates an anxiety, and there are a lot of people who deal with that in their life. A second kind of anxiety is reactive. In other words, when you live under constant stress... Your brain has a hard time turning off. So you wake up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. It just 
All of a sudden, it just grips you, and you don't even know. I mean, you, when you went to bed, you were relaxed. I mean, everything was great. You had a great day, but in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, it just you just you wake up anxious. And I do that. I, I wake up in the middle of the night, and Cheryl will say, "How did you sleep?" And I said, "Well, great, to about 3:30." And then I just I just okay. My life has been stressful, just like your life has been stressful. You know, I I perform every Sunday morning. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't just stand up here and talk. I actually take a mess of ideas and try to, with the Holy Spirit's help, fashion them into a message. And I do that on Sunday, and then I have a memorial service, and I have a wedding. And so as a result of all the deadlines in my life, my life is stressful. I came to Klamath Falls with a dream of a church for, you know, about 500 people that loved Jesus and loved one another and loved the community. And you know, God has blessed <laughs> those last 33 years, but it hasn't been without stress. There's a lot of stress in my life, just like there's a lot of stress in your life. You've got deadlines, you've got job things to deal with. Life is stressful, and so I've got this reactive uh, anxiety to just stress that I, that I carry, and uh, it's not bad, it's just reality. And learning to give thanks Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Sit there and remind myself of grace. and Just allow God's grace to wash over me. Has been so helpful for me in dealing with my anxiety. A third type of anxiety is traumatic anxiety. You go through a tragic event and uh, you still deal with the shock of it. And some of you went through those when you were young. And we've all gone through traumatic or tragic events. We've all had a certain amount of a traumatic shock that creates anxiety. Uh, some of us, it's much deeper as a result of what we've been through or how long it was sustained in our life. Regardless of the anxiety you deal with, thanksgiving to me is a key to dealing with the stress and the anxiety. This is what David said in Psalms 56 verse 3. He said, What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. Another translation, when I am afraid. It's not that David was never afraid. But when I am, I will trust in thee. And I'll encourage you, if you're dealing with any kind of anxiety in your life, read the book of Psalms and see how often David talks about his enemies. See how often he talks about his fears. I think David was a person dealing with anxiety in his life, and he writes about it over and over and over again in the book of Psalms as he's working through his anxiety and his fear. And he'll say things like he said to me this morning in, in Psalms 27. I was reading Psalm 27, and there's this place where he says, I heard you say, come talk to me, and I came. He entered his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. He came to a place of intimacy with God, and he heard God say, come talk to me. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you're doing, what you're walking through. Can I just tell you, if you'll take time to be with God and respond to his call from the Holy Spirit to come talk with him, that intimacy moment will birth life in your soul that you won't find anywhere else because that inception of the Holy Spirit's life in you will change your soul. That's what every human being is looking for and longing for. And we are created by God and for God. And you won't find happiness any other way than in his presence. So I want to encourage you, all the stress and all the disappointment, all the difficulties, 
that you've experienced in 2020, I want to encourage you to use them as an opportunity to give thanks to God and draw close to Him. And here's the last thing I think that thanksgiving uh, and, and, and gratitude does for us. To me, it prepares our hearts for heaven. And, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping you are at a stage in your life where you're starting to prepare your heart for heaven. I know when you're younger, you're just trying to get the kitchen cleaned up, you know, or just get the kids off to school or, or back home. But I'm hoping you're beginning to prepare your heart for heaven because this life is not the end of the story. As much as we worry about it and stress over it, this life is not the end of the story. <laughs> I don't know if everything's worked out for you the way you hoped or dreamed, but I want you to know this, that this life is not the end. You're going to lose some battles in this life. <laughs> but the ultimate victory belongs to God. And because of Jesus Christ, we win. <laughs> the final chapter has yet to be written. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, well, actually 40, uh, Cheryl and I were preparing to get married. And we got our first house. Actually, not a house. We rented a duplex. It was $160 a month. Now, I only made 300 so that was a lot of our income at that time. But uh, we rented half of a duplex. And, you know, I was so excited. About two weeks before we were going to get married, there was a garage sale uh, in a neighborhood where, where uh, I was living at that time. And, you know, we're trying to get what we need for our house and decorate our house. And, and uh, I, I bought a washer and dryer for $50 at that garage sale. I bought a couch. It was ugly. But I bought a couch for $15 because we didn't have anything. You know, we, we, I, I was only making $300 a month. Do you know how long God has been preparing heaven for you? You know, Jesus talked in John 14. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And actually, Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 34, in this parable uh, about the king, uh, here's what he says. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, he's referring to you, if you're a person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're a person who's turned your heart to God, he's talking to you. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. You know that heaven is, heaven, God began working on heaven before he created the universe. I don't know about you, but the universe is amazing. This is a pretty cool place. If you ever looked up with a telescope into the stars or did some scuba diving in the ocean, it's an amazing place. But heaven is going to be out of this world. I mean, literally, it's going to be out of this world. This world only has three dimensions, maybe four if you include sound. But it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Let me read it again. And as I read it, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. One of the things that thankfulness does in the midst of all the circumstances we go through is it prepares our heart for heaven. It puts our hope where it should be. 
See, that's a story that isn't written yet. You might be going through a lot of difficulties, a lot of circumstances, but heaven is going to be the ultimate experience, the ultimate joy, and the whole ultimate happiness for all eternity. I heard someone say one time, <clears throat> if you're going through hell, don't stop. And I want to encourage you this morning, 2020, if you're going through hell, don't stop, okay? Keep going. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful for his grace. Be thankful for his good plan that he has for our life. And be thankful for heaven. And begin to set your sights and your hope and your heart on heaven. Now, if you're listening today, you're with someone or family member, maybe you're from out of town. I wonder who this preacher is. I just want to encourage you before we go. Heaven requires a decision. You don't get there on your own. Honestly, and I don't like to say it this way, but it's true. Not everyone's going to be in heaven. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And, and for many of us, we, we grow up in this world trying to be good. As though we could be good enough to earn heaven. And I just want to suggest you can't. You'll never earn heaven. The Apostle Paul, remember what he did? The amount he suffered, sacrificed his life for the sake of the gospel? The Apostle Paul said, my righteousness is as filthy rags. See, the only way we'll spend eternity in heaven with God is, first of all, repenting of our sins and turning back to God. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but in your heart, you've stopped running from God and you've stopped doing your own thing in your life and you've chosen to seek Him and to know His will with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And I want to encourage you to make that decision today. Maybe you're in Klamath Falls just visiting, but this could be the reason you came so that you can make a decision to receive Jesus into your life. And frankly, I can't do that for you. You have to do it. You have to turn from your sin. I can pray with you and I'm going to do that. But you have to make the decision in your heart. So we're going to say a prayer to close here. We're going to sing another song before we go. Heavenly Father, for every person who's listening online, whether it's this morning or this afternoon or later this week or maybe two years from now, Jesus, Lord, for every person that's listening, I ask you to forgive our sins and give us the grace, help us with grace to turn our hearts toward you. Lord, we're all afraid of doing that. We think you'll ruin our life. If we don't control our life, you'll mess it up. Lord, it's not true. You have a good plan for our life. And I ask you to help every person who's listened to me, Lord, to turn their heart toward you, to receive your forgiveness, Jesus, and to dedicate their life to you, to live for you, to walk with you, Jesus, all the days of their life. I want to thank you for seeing our hearts, hearing our words, and receiving our prayers today, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your presence and love. Pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Can we all say amen together?